Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis. It's Saturday, March the 24th. I want to thank you for joining me today. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about crime and justice. And, alrighty, we're hot. So, there are three classifications for uh, crime in the United States. There's a felony, misdemeanor, and a violation, which is also known as an infraction. They are defined and maintained by the four parts of the criminal justice system. The legislative or government, where crimes are, and punishment are defined. There's law enforcement, including agencies such as the FBI, the CIA, local sheriff, and police departments. And that's where violations and violators are identified and apprehended. The judiciary is our court system where guilt or innocence is adjudicated and punishment is determined. And then there's the corrections, our jails and prisons where punishment is administered. These four entities have to be in harmony for the criminal justice system to be effective and protecting the innocent. Now I said protecting the innocent, not catching and incarcerating the bad guy. It is my understanding that our criminal justice system was designed on the premise it is better that 10 guilty men go free than one innocent man be convicted. Now that idea is what um, don't take the, the idea is that we don't take an innocent person's freedom or administer punishment unless we can prove guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. This is crucial because anything less means we are incarcerating people based on suspicion, hunches, feelings, rather than a specific finding of guilt based on provable evidence and assuring that we are removing disruptive elements from society and allow law-abiding citizens to pursue their right to happiness. The idea of allowing a guilty person to go free may be a difficult concept but is necessary to avoid convicting, incarcerating, and permanently damaging the life of an innocent person. Many times, we may have a strong suspicion, hunch, or belief that someone is guilty, but should we convict someone based on that? Capturing and punishing violators is a noble cause unless we falsify information, don't provide factual accounts, or in any way any other way attempt to enforce justice based on anything less than truthful and fact-based information. The criminal justice system has to be free from emotional and otherwise inconsistent influences in each and every phase, from politics to incarceration. The presumption of innocence has to be the foundation of our criminal justice system else all of us become criminals or potential criminals waiting for an unfortunate set of circumstances. Innocent until proven guilty has to be the default method of operation for each and every person for justice to be. Recently, uh, I caught a video from the uh, Breakfast Club and they talked, were talking to or interviewing Judge Faith Jenkins uh, on the morning show. She is a television judge that practiced law 
uh, out of New York, and I think she's broadcasting her show out of California now. Uh, and they had a very interesting conversation. I noted a couple of points from the show, and I wanted to talk about that with you uh, in this Justice Crime and Justice segment. So I only pulled a few clips, but uh, I've left the link in the description. So if you wanted to see the full interview, it's about 33 minutes. Um, that would make it available for you. And I would encourage you to go out and do that. So the first, let me start with this clip here. I wanted to ask you, because you're a criminal attorney, how do people represent people they know are guilty? Like, I think of the movie Devil's Advocate. You ever seen Devil's Advocate? Yes. Why do people, like, how do you represent somebody you know is guilty? And I thought about this when I was watching the OJ case the other night, too. Well, did, did OJ it, it, it goes. While I understand the, the segment or the question, there are a lot of problems with that. The idea is, if you know that your client has committed a crime, how can you, as a lawyer, in a good conscience, defend that person and have them possibly found not guilty and set free? The assumption made by the question is that the lawyer can or should change their ability to defend their client based on what they believe or know. Now, two things about that. First, just because the lawyer believes the client is guilty, and let's say the client told the lawyer that they did the act, a client is under no obligation to be honest and forthright with their lawyer. And it's quite possible that the client may be accepting blame for another person and lies to the lawyer to facilitate that. If the lawyer does not rigorously defend the client and the, the client is found guilty of a crime uh, that they did not commit, then justice is not served and an innocent person is convicted and punished and the guilty party goes unpunished. By the defense attorney faithfully executing their responsibilities, this pushes the prosecution to work at doing their job and possibly uncovering the deception. A lawyer does not necessarily know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the client is guilty because that is what the court, the trial is for. Secondly, the question assumes that the lawyer will do any and everything legal or questionable to represent their client. Now, a defense attorney is there to ensure that the prosecution adheres to its responsibilities of proof and fairness, proving that the defendant is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt and doesn't introduce false or prejudicial, prejudicial information in court. It is not contingent upon the defense attorney's belief in the client to rigorously fight to ensure that the legal process is followed to the letter. Belief in innocence or guilt of the client is really of no consequence. So I'm going to give you the uh, answer that the judge gave. Well, did, did it, it, it goes back to a public defender. Don't you want everyone to have an opportunity to be represented? Mm -hmm. Everyone should have that opportunity, right, to have representation. No. So are we going to start deciding, well, this person is guilty. They shouldn't have a lawyer. Who, who gets right. to make that decision? Me. So everyone. And so but as an advocate, <laughs> as an advocate, it's our job to simply put forth a case. OK, and I pretty much have to agree with her. It is their job to put forth a case. If uh, you go into a courtroom 
and you're accused of a crime, you want someone that's going to make sure that the system is fair, that you're not railroaded. And even if, let's say, you were guilty of something, you don't want to pay a penalty beyond what is prescribed for the crime that you committed. You don't want to be put away for a uh, hundred plus years for jaywalking. And if there's not someone in there advocating for you that understands the system and that um, can fight for you and make sure that things are fair, that the judge doesn't have um, uh, a predisposition, predisposition towards something or a prejudice that you are as a client or as a defendant unaware of, make sure that they're in there advocating for you and uh, protecting your rights as a citizen. Uh, the next clip was an interesting clip, and I'll get that story. I, yeah. I agree everybody should have the right to a lawyer, but sometimes you see some of these crimes and you're like, why waste taxpayers' money? Like the guy who shot up Parkland High School? Absolutely. That's him. I, what do you mean? Get the right to a fair trial and a lawyer and all but that. I know. I know. No, not, no, no. We saw that's a different. Like, those are scream cases like yeah. that. I think we should. I, I know. I know what you're saying. Punishment too. Like, what is the punishment going to be? Okay. So we, I guess we've all encountered the extreme case scenario, and probably all of us has, at some point have uh, maybe thought the, the same way that that he mentioned and I'm not saying that that particularly is his way of a train of thought but it, it, it he does bring up a point um, it does sound like a slam dunk um, uh, that all of the evidence points to all the pretrial evidence points to the person of being guilty um, what we need to do is further examine that scenario now the system is designed with checks and balances it is designed to keep an eye on and to make sure that all players are playing fair and by the rules. Now, on first view, it may seem obvious that the guy walked into the school and began shooting up everything. And there's eyewitnesses and maybe there's a videotape. And so all of that evidence against him and it, and it, makes us think, well, why, why go through this, um, uh, all of this behavior? Why go through all of the formality of having a trial? And the reason for that is you go to court to ensure that the evidence was gathered properly, that it was handled properly throughout the entire process between the time that it was gathered and the time it was presented in court, and to ensure that someone didn't modify the video after they realized that the person on the video was not the actual shooter and that there may have been two shooters or maybe there was um, maybe the actual the, the shooter wasn't the one that killed people that maybe they dropped the weapon and someone in an attempt to be a hero picked up the weapon and actually killed those people so uh, the idea is, is that we want to ensure that all of the information that was used in the trial to assess guilt or innocence has been handled properly and that does truly 
without a reasonable doubt implicate the defendant. So jumping to the penalty phase without having the um, evidentiary phase would um, be problematic because witnesses sometimes change their stories. And this all has to be brought out. It is designed to make sure that the system is designed to make sure that we do our due diligence before taking someone's freedom. And there's a lot of effort in protecting innocent people, as well as it should be. We as citizens should be careful also about the language that we use. We should strive to believe in innocent until proven guilty. After all the evidence has presented, and then and only then, should we really make a determination. We may have some predilections prior to the to the the end of the trial, but maybe we should be careful how we present those. Um, this next clip, uh, I'm going to play it and then and then talk about it. What I was seeing mm -hmm. and I said on TV, I think that George Zimmerman is guilty and he should be convicted of this crime. But trials are not about the truth. Mm. Right. Like there's 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 two things that there, there's the truth and then there's what. Let me just back up for a second. This is a good point I want to make. Mm -hmm. Um So trials are not necessarily about getting to the truth, especially jury trial, because there's what actually happened and then there's what you can present in court in trial. Mm -hmm. Those are two different things mm. in a lot of cases because jurors won't know a lot of the background. Right. They won't know a lot of information that we knew, for example, in the, in the Zimmerman trial. So you have to keep that in mind. And attorneys know when you're when you're doing a jury trial, a lot of times it's about the emotion and you you are putting it all out there. You are acting in front of these jurors and, and it's it's you know, you're becoming angry mm -hmm. and you're making these insinuations. You, they won't say it, but, you know, this was a black kid and he was in a hoodie. What if this was your neighborhood? Mm. So, um a lot of that was going on in, in the Zimmerman trial, and they were in a bubble, right? They were this sequestered jury, but we weren't. And so I think that my opinion was based on globally what I was hearing and reading about George Zimmerman in that case. As a criminal attorney, do you see how he got off? Yes. What were the holes in the case? like? Okay, so I, as far as... Uh... The actual case, I, that wasn't my main concern. And so I stopped the clip there. Um, this clip gave me a little heartburn, not because um, I think it's wrong, but because, well, not only because I think it's wrong, but because um, I believe it's true. Um, I realize that I do, I strive for perfection in, in pretty much everything I do. Uh, and sometimes perfection is hard to achieve. Um, we should, in a trial, strive for the truth. Um, it is important that the truth comes out and that we do not, that we are not swayed um, by emotional things, 
um, like the color of someone's shirt or if the defendant looks remorseful or things that are not fact-based. It, it saddens me that we are at this point. In a court of law, I would like to believe that we are trying our best to get to the truth and only the truth. That it does matter, that it does not, pardon me, matter what the performance of the principles in the courtroom is, but the truth, truthfulness of the information presented. It would bother me and does bother me that innocent people are convicted because their lawyer is not an actor, does not present the correct optics in the theater uh, or theater to, the, to defend them. Now, I have mentioned the way we talk about people who have been accused of a crime and that we should use better language when talking about them. We as citizens have a great opportunity to affect change in the criminal justice system. Now, I served on a couple of juries, and for me, I felt it was an honor and an opportunity to serve my community, to help protect the people that I care about and the people that I don't even know. But most of the people on the juries that I was on complained nonstop about wanting to go home, getting back to work. Um, there are people I've listened to have talked about getting out of jury duty. I've had people brag to me about avoiding jury duty. Jury duty to me is one of a citizen's greatest honors. It's an opportunity to protect your neighbors, help remove criminals from our midst, help settle disputes, and ensure that the system works in optimal form. A society such as ours functions best when everyone contributes, when everyone takes their civic responsibilities to heart. I'm sure you would not find it comforting if you believed someone that you loved was falsely convicted because the jury was distracted, because everyone wanted to go home and no one wanted to serve on the jury. Someone, someone who deserves to be locked away was released because people wanted to go home. Your help and support of what makes the system function, I'm sorry, your help and support is what makes the, fission, the system function efficiently. So if you get, the next time you get a jury uh, notice to come down to serve on a jury, please keep that in mind. So, um, this, let's see, the next, oh, the next clip, yeah, that, one of the, one of the things you will hear me talk a lot about is objectivity in this, this next clip, um, broaches on that. Yes. Listen, with Have the Zimmerman trial, you covered that. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to be objective, is there a way to be black and be objective in that situation? I mean, I can't speak for all black. Okay. So I've talked about um, being emotional. Um, objectivity should never be based on the race or any outside factors other than the facts of the actual event. We should not give preferential treatment to someone because we like them 
are because we want some positive outcome for them. It should be based entirely on the facts. We have for many years complained that the justice system does not work for minorities or poor people. But if we exhibit those same erroneous behavior, it does not, it does not make, to, I'm sorry, if we exhibit that same erroneous behavior, that does not make two wrongs become a right. Objectivity is, should be based on um, the requirements of the, of the job and not based on the individuals involved. Uh, just a second here. Okay, so one of the one of the topics that I would like to cover in another podcast is when does someone convicted of a crime become whole uh, after they've served their time and been punished for a crime? Do they ever get back to normal, or does that make them um, mark them for the entirety of their lives? Part of that discussion um, is uh, an issue I want to touch on right now, just for a little. Um, let me play this clip real quick. You think OJ did it? I do. Okay. If a person has been adjudicated not guilty of a crime, Regardless of our own personal feelings about whether they are guilty or not, they should be treated as innocent. Those 12 people, men and women, are supposed to represent the whole of society and stand in judgment of another person on our behalf. Whatever verdict they render should be accepted by us. We asked them to do a job and they did it. Whatever our personal idea about their innocence or guilt, they should still be treated as innocent and given that respect. In the instance of, of OJ, it was a completely emotional trial and which is one of the things that I have um, talked about as being detrimental. The allowing our emotions to shade our judgment The reason the trial was had, the reason the evidence was presented was so that we could look at it objectively, make sure that we have done our due diligence so that an innocent man or woman person is not convicted and punished for a crime that they did not commit. I understand that there was enough evidence to lead someone to maybe believe, but the standard of evidence has been set forth and for that particular case, and I'm not saying whether I particularly agree with the verdict or not, what I'm saying is he was adjudicated 
not guilty. And every time that we as a society accuse him of guilt, we have denied him his just due. He had his day in court. He spent his day in court. We may not have liked how the, the whole process went down, all of the optics outside of the courtroom, all of the drama, the, the vehicle chase, um, and a lot of other things involved with that. We may not have liked all of that, but he was found not guilty in a court of law. A court that we have set up to process behaviors and adjudicate guilt or innocence. When someone has received an innocent verdict, to continue to claim they're guilty in public forums rescinds all of the work that those 12 people did and undermines the system. You don't always have to agree with it. And most of the time, people are only going to agree with it when it suits them. So sometimes you have to realize that you're not going to that maybe you think that that person is um, um, in, uh, guilty, but if the system says, if, if the whole process played out and it was, the, it was a fair trial, um, that person has the right to then be called innocent in the public forums. So this last clip, um, I'm probably gonna get a little pushback or at least I hope to get some pushback and get someone to talk about it. Uh, let me play the clip and then we'll talk. Now, what do you say to people that get locked up and sometimes the court gives them an attorney, allows them to use the state's attorney? Mm -hmm. Public defender. A public public defender. defender. What do you think about people using public Because they got on us about this. We had a woman up here the other day. Okay. From, actually, she's from New Orleans. Okay. And she was talking about her son ended up getting 40 years. Wow. And it's because... For what? So... He did a, I guess it was attempted robbery. He had a BB gun. He did a robbery with a BB gun. But he didn't gun. tell who the other people were that were with him. Okay. So she just thought he was going to get probation. The public defender said, oh, he'll, you know, it should just be probation. Mm -hmm. He was only 17. Wow. They gave him years. 40 years. That's Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have some very harsh penalties in the state. Uh, and especially, was he African-American? Yes. Yeah, of course. And, um, you know, and, and that's just... That's just the way our, our system is, is set up. Mm -hmm. No mercy whatsoever. And especially for, you know, that young man, 17 years old, that's pretty outrageous. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, the first thing, and um, did that. The first thing, um, when you commit a violation, and and you're caught and you're apprehended complaining about the sentence should be the least of your concerns you have 
violated the system and more than likely you know you violated the system. So complaining about the punishment means I should be able to commit a crime and then determine what my sentence is. Or I've looked at what the possible sentences are for the crime I'm going to commit. And since the, I, can, I can comfortably serve probation, I'll do the crime. The reason we have those statutes and crimes identified is that when you commit that crime, you have committed that crime against society. You have denied someone else their ability to be happy. And to believe that you should get special treatment or that you should be able to define your own sentence, to me, um, doesn't fly. If you commit a crime, you don't get to determine your sentence. And if you wind up getting 40 years, you get 40 years because you didn't have to commit the crime. The fact that it was a BB gun and not a lead firing pistol doesn't change the fact that you committed the crime. Doesn't give you an out. Doesn't give you a probation because it's your first time. The expectation that you should get off in any way easy after you've committed a crime, to me, is repugnant. Don't commit the crime if you can't do time. Everyone's heard that. Everyone understands what that means. I, because it's your first time, you think you should get off easy. I think if you commit the crime, you're at the mercy of the system because you didn't have to commit the crime. And the fact that you didn't, that you didn't name your uh, co-criminals, co I'm, they're still out there. They're still out there able to do what they're going to do. And if they were willing to commit this crime, they may be able to be out there to commit it again. And you haven't helped. You haven't done anything to help resolve that situation, to get those people off the street. I'm not going to feel sorry for you. So I'm going to wrap up this week. Uh, earlier in the week, I did a, a stream, live stream, and someone asked me about my uh, opinion on the death penalty. And here it is. I kind of gave it away. But uh, I only believe in the death penalty in murder trials where there is a reason to believe that the person who committed the murder will do it again. I believe society has the right to defend itself from people that will do it harm. So if the defendant is convicted of murder and there is a reasonable expectation that this person will do it again, then the death penalty is by all means 
what they should be administered. That wraps up this week. I want to thank everybody for joining me. Um, You can replay this uh, video podcast here on YouTube. The audio podcast is available on Stitcher.com, Podcast.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Music Play Store. The internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. Please like, share, and comment on this episode where you find it because it matters. And as always, be cool, be calm, and above above all, be careful. Look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you. <laughs>